In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. Well, we survived, and I, I think that's Jack. That's about as much as we can say for a Jack, final flag game. It's a victory Monday. It may be a little cloudy. The weather probably sucks. Let's be honest, it was 49 and raining during the game. So it is a 49 degree, cloudy, sunny, not sunny, 49 degree, oh, rainy thanks, victory thanks. Monday. How about that? It is a 49 and raining victory Monday. It's cloudy. It is. I mean, Jack, is there a better adjective to describe this Browns team than cloudy? Sun gets through every once in a while. Yeah, I think, I think cloudy, cloudy is it's not bad. Yeah. So, Jack, how you doing, buddy? Surviving, surviving. It's uh, it's it's another it's week just of shit dev- show NFL games. It's just devastating. It's like th- this has been what the pain was all about. So this is probably the best opportunity the Browns will ever have in a season, and it's just not coming together. Yeah, um, you'll never get a more talented Browns roster in terms of the overall talent. Um. And this is the outcome that we're going to get is uh, it sucks and it, it hurts. Yeah. It, listen, I don't want to take away from the fact that the Browns did something the Steelers couldn't do and that's beat the Lions. Okay. So we'll start. They there. were also forced into backup quarterback though. So I, I think that that is in itself. All right. But according, hold there, on. But according to Brown's they, Twitter, wasn't Baker Mayfield basically our backup quarterback today? We, well, to, to be fair, if we look at, there was two people that took a snap at quarterback today. That is true. One of them had one snap, one play, 16 yards and a TD. And the other one, let's look at his stat line. He had um, 29 passing plays and uh, four. So 33 plays. 15 successful passes, four successful rushes, four, yeah, one TD and two, two interceptions. So, but don't, if you're but, looking for QB of the game, both of those players have something Landry. in common. Both of those players have something in common. You I want, want them, them you want them gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's ready for a reset. Nah, we're gonna we're gonna set the internet on fire talking about that. But listen, let's let's just let's just call let's just call this out what it is. Baker Mayfield is struggling. He is struggling mightily. Okay. He is barely above 50% against the lions. And you know what? I will give this to the lions. They're not very good, but they play really hard. I mean, there's guys out there that are giving their all that I've never heard of. Um, there, there's a reason that they're in a lot of one score games and it kind of goes to show that Jared Goff isn't that good because to be fair, I don't know if Tim Boyle, you know, was really that much different than Jared Goff. He threw a couple of interceptions. So does Goff. He doesn't complete a lot of down the field passes. Neither does Goff. You know, they rely on, you know, a 57-yard touchdown run by DeAndre Swift. But Baker Mayfield right now, and 
I know this is probably an unpopular take. We were having a little bit of a back and forth in our fantasy football league chat. So for you division two guys, you want to get into the division one, just so you can listen to the banter going on there. I'm done with the excuses for Baker Mayfield. I'm like, I get it. He's got a bad foot. He's got a bad knee. He's got a bad hip. He's got a bad elbow. He's got a bad shoulder. He's got a bad foot. Like I get it. Everybody in the league right now has some sort of ding. If he plays, he needs to perform. He's not performing. I'm not going to be a fanboy and sit on the internet and go, Oh, for all the people booing Baker Mayfield, who cares? He's a pro athlete. Boo him, cheer him, whatever. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Like stop babe. Oh, he said, people say mean things to him on social media. Who cares? His wife doesn't cook him things with who cares. I'm done with these excuses. Like he is the number one overall pick in the draft. Why do we make so many excuses for him? He's not playing very well. I get it. it could he be a franchise quarterback? He's shown flashes but 50% of the time he's good. And 50% of the time he's terrible. Well, it was one of the things that I've noticed the last couple of weeks, but it really showed to down a play. The moments when Baker Mayfield limps, you would assume that'd be when he takes a big hit, but actually it's when he makes a bad play. The moment he makes a bad play, he limps around a little bit and it's like, oh, come on. Um, he, he is just like, oh, he got the world's smallest violin out um, trying to play for a bit of sympathy. Just get on with it. He's just, he learned that from Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. There was a, there was the quarterback a couple hours of the East that did that all the time. But the funny thing is, is Ben used to get calls. Baker doesn't get shit. Baker will get whacked after the play, you know, whatever you want to call it. He doesn't get them. But, you know, we talk about Baker being number one, and then Josh Allen, who just got $260 million to go out and get boat raised by the Colts. By the way, you want, to, you want to see something that doesn't make a lot of sense in the modern-day NFL? Josh Allen, 21-35 to 35 for 209 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 15 points. Carson Wentz, 11-20, of 20, 106 yards, average of 5.3 yards, one touchdown, and they won 41-15. to 15. <laughs> A quarterback threw for 106 yards, and they hung 41 points. But, you know, that's beside the point. Um, Baker, Listen, we have him next year for $18.8 million. They've already exercised the fifth-year option, okay? So Baker Mayfield will be here next year for $18.8 million. Jack, do you agree with that? Yeah, I would say it's over a 90% chance. I'm not going to say it's 100% because I think that there is a deal where you could trade somebody. Who knows? The Seahawks decide Russ needs a new location after the way he's playing at the moment, and the Browns decide, hey, we need a fresh start. That That's one that two teams ready to give up potential on their current quarterback situation could go, let's try a different one uh, rather than sitting on their hands with what they've got. So um, I'm not saying it, it's hundred percent, but it's very likely. Yeah. So listen, we got to figure this out. I don't know. I'm not in the film room, so I'm not going to pretend to go out here and bloviate about a bunch of stuff that we don't know in terms of where routes are supposed to be run, where players are supposed to be. You know, I will tell you right now, if you want, one of the main, so let's, let's just set Baker aside, right. For a second, right. And let's talk about something on this offense before we get to our below average grades for them. One of the biggest things this offense is running into is the, their ability or inability to avoid penalties. These pre-snap penalties are just unconscionably bad. Listen, and I get it. The NFL right now is cracking down on penalties. There's a lot of holds and blocks in the back. There's a lot of stuff being called. 
that you look at and you go, wow, for a roughing crew or a, a group of referees that could not spot a ball today, that had to stop the game three times to re-spot a ball because they forgot where it was. They sure saw every ticky-tack. I mean, Wyatt Teller dunks a guy on it on its spin move, and they're like, that's holding. Or Blake Hans basically clubs a guy's arm out, and it's holding. I get it. I'm okay with dealing with those. The illegal shifts, the illegal formations, the false starts. I mean, this offense, how many times did Nick Chubb break off a 20-yard run for a first down only for it to be called back for a holding? They can't get out of their own way. So if you got a quarterback that's struggling, you have to help him out. You have to give him some momentum, not first and 15, first and 20, second and 18. Like, they're just constantly behind the eight ball. And I know we talk about, oh, the first thing everybody does, it's a common thing where it's like we take penalties and coaching and we just align them together. I've played football before. No coach has ever coached a false start. No coach has ever designed up an illegal play. That is an execution error, whether it's somebody not being on the line of scrimmage, somebody not uncovering. These are things that players have to look at and say, oh, I'm the outside receiver in this play. I need to step off the line of scrimmage. Oh, the snap count is two. I mean, what you're basically saying on these is we want them to punish players. That's the only thing coaches can do. Like nobody says, Jedrick Wills, I want you to fall start on this play. Like I can assure you that is not coached. Now, technique in terms of holdings and, you know, boneheaded plays that happen after the whistle. Okay, we can talk coaching on there. But Jack, when it comes to these pre-snap penalties, they need to get their shit together because right now they're just harpooning themselves. But they have another 10 penalties today. That's asinine. The New England Patriots who are now, guess what? First place in the AFC East. They're not penalized nearly the rate of this. So yes, coaching has something to do with it, but in the same sense, as a quarterback, you have to understand, all right, are all my guys line? Let's not snap the ball before, you know, a guy's done in motion. Like there are some things there because the one thing Baker has to do is he has to control the offense. And right now the offense is just out of control. I, I think there is a, a factor that is on the coach. You know, I, I, I think, at the end of the day, the situation's obvious now at this point that they need to do better with the penalties. They can easily set aside some time in practice to really go through that and try to put players off and see just to really drive that point. So I think there is an argument for some improvement in coaching. Um, what do you want some, them to do? Because, I mean, some, for example, J.C. Treader's not practicing, right? He's a veteran. Half the guys are on bikes most of the week. You get, what, maybe one full practice. It's probably a light pads. I mean, they're not in practice all week. You're probably only facing live bullets for a day. But if we look where, like, the false starts and things coming from, it's not coming from J.C. Treader. No, but he had a hold today. And, I mean, we have wide receivers and false starts and fullbacks and running backs. I mean, it's positional players where – I mean, the one I think we had last week, you're, you're, sta you're standing next to the ball and you, you fall start. Uh, the pre-snap pre snuff is what's winding me up most. And I, I think you can easily practice that. I, see, I'm thinking that the, the procedural ones in terms of the, the holdings and all that other stuff, those are coaching points. But I'm talking about these pre-snaps. Defensive as well. The offsides. Malik McDowell. Jadavian Clowney. Miles Garrett. I forget there was another one in there. Um, somebody else jumped off sides. It's just stupid. One thing I sort of seem to notice, and hey, you'll always hear me bang the table for more passing, but when we put the ball in the air, the penalties seem to go more on the other side. Whereas when we were running the ball, 
the penalties went more on us. And I, it wouldn't surprise me. I need to look into the data to see if that's just an NFL standard because the way the rule book is and everything else, it wouldn't surprise me if it operates that way. But passing more, less penalties. Because as well, if you're running the ball, you've got like nine dudes blocking. Any of those guys that's holding, there's blocking in the back, there's other stuff. Whereas when you're passing play, there's less likely for something to go wrong and more likely for another team to foul on you. So um, I think that has to go in with the scheme and that goes on the coaching of setting these guys up to be in a position where they foul more. Um, and it's just asinine to me the amount of times we set Baker up for third and long. And that's the decisions we make. Running on second and long is one of the worst decisions you can ever make in the NFL. Yet we consistently see it. And it's just, it's not good enough. I, I think the coaching staff really have to look at what they're doing and the ways to fancy scoring plays. Um, I, even when we won 11 wins last time, you know, I was sat here and I was not happy that we ran too much. I felt we ran too much. We need to see those changes. Second half of last season, Baker passed more, we won more. And it wasn't just winning, it was comfortable winning. Um, I just think we need to see more of it. I mean, I definitely think that there's not a facet of this game where there can't be improvements, whether it's offensive, defensive, special teams, coaching. Everybody at this point needs to look in the mirror and figure out, you know, and I, I kind of like Kevin Stavansky's quote afterwards when he said, you know, employee number 24 came to work today. And I think that he's a guy that you can rally around and say, listen, this is a guy that just does things the right way, right? He comes out, he's a lunch pail guy. He doesn't get called. Are you ever worried that Nick Chubb's going to get ca called for a stupid taunting penalty? No. And to be no. fair, this, this has been much better than Nick Chubb we've seen across the season. Some people look at average yards per play, um, rush. I don't, I don't really care about that stuff. Um, I think that's just bad data. Because regularly we've seen one or two big runs subsidize his one, two, three yard stuff. Instead, we saw consistent moving of the stick style running, which isn't something we've always seen from him. And that's, that's the stuff that really makes an impact. And I think that's why we're in such a strong position today, because it wasn't the one or two big runs, because there's no, the one or two big runs isn't, isn't good stuff running of the football joe thomas has spoken about it before if you type in joe thomas running the ball you'll get a great video on youtube where he's like it's about how often you consistently remain on schedule and move the sticks um one or two big plays is not a good running team um and that's sometimes what we've seen from nick chubb whereas um being able to consistently move the sticks really really helped this offense today yeah, Adrian Peterson was always synonymous for that, where it'd be like one, two, one, negative three, 47, right? And I will say the Lions secondary did a pretty good job of tackling today, getting guys on the ground, um, which kind of avoided Nick Chubb breaking off those really long runs. But I agree. I thought that the Browns knew that they had something today and they were going to exploit it. And they were going to say, you know what? We're good to go. We're going to use this. I think they liked, I mean, I think Donovan and even the broadcasters, by the way, the broadcaster, LeVar Arrington, absolutely terrible. I could go the rest of my life and never have him on a game again. That was um, embarrassing. Yeah, he was terrible. So I think that when you're talking about the Browns, they kept going left and have to bounce out wide, but you see it. Darren Johnson gets in there. He's effective at times. So I like where the Browns running games at. I think you're, I think you're onto something a little bit with the, the penalties in terms of, 
how it's being blocked up in terms of the running game versus some of the calls. Maybe the Browns get more holdings because well, we run the ball more than say somebody like the Cowboys or something. But regardless, I mean, Jack, overall, the offense, I mean, I, we all watch the game. We all kind of know Baker Mayfield, 15 to 29, 176 yards with a touchdown and two interceptions. Nick Chubb, 22 carries, 130 yards. Um, one, two, three, six different receivers caught a ball, uh, pass. Offensively, what are you going with? Um, three. Yeah. Um, Nick Chubb played well. I'm not taking it away from him, but hey, I'm, I'm in a position where Nick Chubb is not the difference between a successful and an unsuccessful offense. Nick Chubb's really good at what he does, but he he can't single handedly win a game. We saw that against the Jets. Nick last Chubb season avoids for you anyone. beat by the 0 and 8 and 1 Lions. That's what he did. Nick Chubb yeah. avoided that. Now you go up against a good team. Obviously you can run for 184 yards. I'm in agreement. I will go with a three 184 yards. Rushing is solid 5.1 yards per carry. Um, Jarvis obviously had the touchdown, which was nice in terms of the running game. I'd, obviously that was not how they drew it up, but I thought Austin Hooper had a pretty good game. And the other thing, and I'll give him a point on this. And I have no, it's kind of a little bit contradictory. There were plays to be made. The catch by Demarcus Bradley was beautiful down the sidelines. Several times Baker just missed open receivers, a la Jarvis Landry, who was over on the one. Yep, Felton. So offensively, I thought that the scheme was there in terms of guys getting open, unlike the Patriots where they were covered like snow. So I would say, yeah, I'm going with a three. But I'll tell you, Baltimore stinks too. But let's just hope that this offense has an awakening, some sort of a spring awakening um, against the Ravens. Because, you know, we know that Baker likes to light them up. And – we're going to need it because right now I think I think I read a stat or heard a stat somewhere that six out of the last seven games, the Browns have failed to break 17 points. And in modern day NFL, that's bad. Yeah, I think Stefanski did really well today. Um, you can only ask him to skin guys open. Um, he can't go out there and make the throws, but dudes were open. Um, so he, he did his bit. Um, and I, I think just a special shout out, if you're looking for a receiver for the Browns, there's one dude that's been consistent over the last one and a half seasons, and that is Austin Hooper. Um, yeah, I'm still in the camp that didn't really like the the, the deal initially, and uh, I'm pretty much up for moving on from this offseason. But if we're going to be honest, he's done it. For, he, he's, he's been solid. He's, he's been exactly what they special. paid him to be. That's He's exactly what they paid him to be. He's reliable at times. I still was a little confused on that drop that the officials came back 35 minutes later and changed, but regardless, um, yeah, I agree with you. But Jack, I, I pointed this out to one of my buddies, and before we go on to the defense, I'm curious. Does it not seem like Baker's accuracy with the tight ends is better than with the receivers? I don't know why, but I just feel like when Baker throws the receivers, the ball's 200 miles an hour, and when he's throwing it to the tight ends, he's just lobbing those beautiful little Russ Wilson-like moon balls into spaces. Like, Hooper had a couple. Obviously, he missed them on the one crossing route where he kind of slipped inside the 10. But I feel like Baker's accuracy to the tight ends is better. Is this just something that I'm just making up in my head? or? Well, I, don't, I don't know if it's the fact that he throws like a foot over the head of all of our wide receivers and – the tight ends are just a foot taller, so it's okay. Um, no, I, I, I think it's because, well, I don't know. I think I need to really look into it and get some numbers, but their roots seem to be not as deep, and I think that impacts it as well. And I don't know if they have a more simple route, route tree than a, 
what we see for the wide receivers and that also plays a factor. But he he has statistically he's much better at throwing to the uh, tight ends. But I, I feel that's because they're just not as far downfield. And I, and I think that's why he was good at throwing at Jarvis um, in the past, but it's just not there this season um, because it's how far you're asking him to throw the ball. All right. So we'll go with a three. All right. We're going to jump over to the defense. Um, you faced Tim Boyle. So we got to put a little bit of an, uh, a, we'll call it a B factor on that one, but the Browns did force two turnovers and two interceptions. Um, no sacks, which I found to be a bit interesting. Defensively. Well, one more point on the, uh, on the offense. Um, something that I've just been sent. Um, we know how much our, uh, Quarterback's wife loves having a meltdown on uh, Instagram. Oh, God, you guys in this social media. She shared a post. No one better say anything bad about Baker Mayfield after this game. I don't think I've seen toughness like this in a while. Maybe the rest of the team should take the hint and get tougher. Is there any difference between Emily Mayfield and OBJ Senior? Quite frankly, I think both are just a distraction. I mean... I will just tell you as somebody that knows guys in the NFL, knows the women that are in their lives, knows the parents that are in their lives. You will never find a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a wife of a player who will ever admit they do something wrong. Okay. If they, they don't run, just if, don't say anything. If they I don't, well, I don't need hold to on. Hear from I agree. Okay. If, I have already said, if I was ever a professional athlete, there's two things I would never have. An, I would not be on social media. And I would ask that my family in the sense of not be on social media, or if they want to be on social media, please don't ever talk about me. Like, leave me alone. Um, she is going to defend her husband, right? That's, that's just, that's just what's going to happen. It's, it is what it is. Oh, well, um, they do a lot of great things in terms of the community, all that other stuff. So I'm not going to hit them for that, but in the same sense, social media can be toxic at times. Let's be honest. We know it can be it. There's a difference, though, between defending your husband and sharing a post that says the rest of the team need to be tougher. That's where my frustration she lies. She read, I wish everybody would be as tough as Baker Click. A lot of people put a lot of stock into social media stuff, but I'm telling you, it's, it's more for the, the media and the fans than it is for anything else. Like, I assure you that make, Emily Mayfield is not questioning Wyatt Teller's toughness or, you know, uh, Malik McDowell's toughness or something like that. that. That's not what that is. Like, they don't, they don't register it. They don't go the full nine yards into how, like, the interpretation. It's kind of like politics, right? You could just come out and say something as vanilla as possible, and there's going to be somebody out there that's going to convince somebody that that's a political argument that they're not trying to make. Like, I, I don't look at that as saying that Emily Mayfield, I mean, Emily Mayfield is trying to take shots at the team toughness. You know, if anything, I don't look around the, t- the field and see a lack of toughness. I, I see she's, a lack of execution. Mom. What's that? I said she's Zach Wilson's mom. Yeah. They're both about the same age, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, the social media stuff, I wouldn't look too much into it. You know, fans want to boo. Who cares? I mean, most of these guys, I'm just going to tell you, don't care. They get booed on the road. They get booed at home. The paychecks hit. And I, I will tell, I, I used to tell people this all the time. You'll stop idolizing pro athletes when you know a few. 
just so you know. And yeah, I, I just they think don't, it's a they don't, of... fans care a lot more than, than the players do. The players, it is a business. And Jack, I think one of the reasons that the parity in the league this year is so high is because you have injuries, you have this kind of stuff in a game where guys are playing for themselves now more than ever. It's just what it is with brands and with money and with all this notoriety and Q, Q status or whatever the hell else it is. Guys play for guys. They play for themselves. There's a lot of me guys in those locker rooms. There's, these are guys that have been carried on golden pillows their entire lives. They don't have reality. I mean, you have guys that just bloviate and they opine about all this stuff they have no idea about. And fans are sitting there like, I can't believe my third string linebacker would ever comment about that. Like they don't, they don't care. They couldn't give a shit about you. I don't know why we give so many shits about them. I literally just care about one thing. Go win. My team win. That's why I'm not making Twitter accounts. It's like, you know, Baker Mayfield's jockstrap and all this other stuff, like call out when he's not good. You know, if you have a platform and that's what you want to do and you want to engage on social media, I mean, Jack, we've now reached a point with Brown's Twitter where people are arguing over college quarterbacks and college wide receivers and all this other maniacal stuff. I'm just like, I give Jack McCurry credit because he likes to get involved in the weeds and that shit. I could not be bothered by some of the just drama and bullshit on Brown's Twitter. I mean, some of those. I see that and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I need two wide receivers and one quarterback. Why, why, why are people arguing? We, we need both. <laughs> Jack. My God, that's almost that's almost right up there with Paul's haircut, which, by the way, we will address everyone. Um, but yeah. All right. So defensively, what do we see? I saw um, a team hold the quarterback to 77 yards passing. That's I don't care who it is. It was a lot better on defense than it was on offense. <laughs> yes, I would agree. So with Detroit, you're talking about a team. They held them to 12 first downs, three of 11 on third downs. Jack, three of 11. That should bring the season average down to like 73 percent. Uh, 245 total yards. <laughs> the Lions averaged 3.3 yards per pass. God, that's awful. They yeah, never they, got in the red zone. They they, they were grim. Um, and I, but I don't know if this is one of them that where we're sitting here and going, they look really good against Bengals. And yes, I fully accept the people that say you can only beat the team in front of you, but do they only look good because of the team they're playing? Um, I think there is some some argument for that. The fact that we didn't get a sack in the entire game. What what the hell? There, there's enough opportunities. There is twenty three pass plays. Yeah, twenty three snaps. But to be fair, Jack, the average was three point three yards. Yeah. Do you know what the longest pass of the day was? I'm gonna guess twelve. 24 yards to TJ Hawkinson. And if I'm not mistaken, I think 14 of that was on yak. I don't think the, the, the lions completed a pass beyond 15 yards. Well, I know because the only receiver that had to catch over 15, over 12 yards, the, the initial play of the game was to a guy, a tight end named Brock, Wright, Probably a seventh cousin of mine. Don't know. He had a 12 yard catch and then Hawkinson had his, that's it. So it's hard to get a sack when you're not throwing the ball down the field. And when you did throw the ball down the field, Denzel Ward intercepted it. So there you go. Yep. Uh, six. And also, by the way, I believe it was pointed out several times that the Lions lead the league in extra offensive lineman snaps. <laughs> Last week against the Steelers, they ran a minimum of six offensive linemen on 24% of their snaps. 
I mean, that is that is impressive footballery, if I must say so myself. And I'll be curious when PFF comes out tomorrow, how many they did it. Because they always felt like Miles Garrett had a lot of people up there. It's probably the reason why, um, in terms of rushing yards, overexpected that um, John Dre Swift has got like a, rec- a record awful rate. It's like minus 100 something. Whereas on passing yards over expectation, he's actually really, really, really high. good. So um, he's, uh, he's all right in the passing game and awful in the rushing game. And uh, yeah, if you take out that one big run, God knows what his numbers would have been. Yeah. And, and realistically, the Browns defense, other than that brain fart, I thought played pretty well. Um, I still am shocked the Lions at 08 and 1 didn't go for it on fourth and one and kick that field goal. I mean, don't get oh, me wrong. I, I don't know. I. If, okay. if, if that was the other way around, oh, I would legit God. be on this podcast going, I'm happy to see our head coach go um, because that that is a fireable offense. And like, that was the one you, moment where I thought, lose? I get, I get the football why. I get why. Because it makes sense. There were still like nine minutes left in the game. I get it. But you're 08 and 1, so it kind of tips the scales. Like, who gives a shit? If you don't get it, you don't I, get it. I don't it. even know what the numbers were in terms of the analytics, but it was inexcusable for a head coach to do that. Um, that's one where Houston came out earlier in the season when they're playing the Browns and did something similarly stupid. Remember they, no, that's the one where they apologized. They punted and then they, instead of, remember there was a penalty. They took the fourth down and, and then they punted. took the fourth down instead of replaying third down. The coach is like, yeah, I didn't think that went out very well. well I, I didn't mind the going for fourth down because I thought that put them in a good position to try for a fourth and short. So I was like, ah, I could see this. And then it was like, they, then they brought out the punt team and I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, it would have been what? third and nine or fourth and one, and then they punted from like midfield. But so. uh, yeah, I, I, hey, if, if that was our head coach, I would have been uh, on this show going, time to let him go. It, it was that grim. At that point, you just blame somebody else. You just say, oh, that was Callie Bronson. I'm sorry. Like, obviously, you just have to throw someone else under the bus. But all right, so we go with the six for the defense. Yeah, I think six is fair. Um, oh. I, I hate. Paul Brown get, isn't here. Should we say seven? If you want. I, to be fair, I, yes, we can go with the seven. And here's what I'm going to say. I know that it sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. How pleasantly surprised have you been with the play of Greedy Williams? Greedy Williams has had an excellent season for me. Our safeties um, blow, don't get me wrong. But in terms the corners of and the Newsom, edges, Ward, and, the and Greedy. I, I, I'm perfectly good there. With A.J. Green as your uh, your cornerback four, those three guys have been really good. You threw deep on Denzel, he picked it. Greedy had that great pass breakup on the sideline. Greg Newsom's been playing well. If only we could get competent safety play. That's just right now. I mean, Delpit's running around like a chicken without his head cut off. John Johnson is just... John Johnson. Coined a phrase I, I used last week, full diarrhea ass out of uh, John Johnson. It's probably in my time following the Browns, my favorite free agent edition and the free agent edition I've been most disappointed in. Listen, I still think, uh, here's the thing. I don't know if it's just a comfort thing, an injury thing or whatever it is. I mean, we have him here for a couple of years. I'm hoping that John Johnson is a talented player. Like I, 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 was it you or one of my other chats that somebody compared it to the Dwayne Bow sign? It was John Johnson's a talented player. He's just, not executing. It's not like he's out there just without talent. Like John Johnson will have a player two. We are like, can you just be that guy? Like that guy right there. And then on the touchdown run, you're like, 
Huh? What, what was Maybe that? Maybe a new head coach next off season. He'll uh, play better <laughs> next year. God, Jack, you just you're insufferable with that shit. Hey, we, I don't mind keeping Joe Woods on retainer for when we play bad teams. <laughs> <laughs> He's really good at that. But um, yeah, Del Pitt's still got a lot to learn. Ronnie Harrison is just going to. He made a couple of nice plays today. I can't really hate on him for there. He at least earned himself a vet minimum contract, but he still just does some things. And I'm just like, he's, play, he's playing linebacker quite a lot. Yeah. They probably got him in the star because they've been putting Delpit and John Johnson in uh, free safety. And then what they'll do is they'll rotate Johnson down every once in a while. And he'll play in the line of scrimmage and get blown off because that's what Brown's Twitter was demanding. Um, but anyways, okay. So I think that's enough on the defense. We don't want to run too long here. Uh, we're, we're special teams performance of the year. I give you a one. It was terrible. You had an extra point blocked. You missed a field goal. I know the weather sucked. I don't care. We're not making excuses here on this podcast. Um, Mr. Gillen, one good punt, the 52 yarder. The thing about it is, is in a game like this, you can't really focus too much on yards because most of his punts were from the, what we call our plus side of the field. So for example, on the first one, I think the guy caught it inside of the 20, um, on the, that was, I think our only point of the first half on the second one, it was down at the 26. So that was a 33 yard punt. That one sucked based on where he punted from the Cleveland 41. Yeah. So it's tough. You can't even let one loose on that. Cause you're at the 41. God, we had so many punts in the third quarter. This is I'm, fair I'm catch gonna... at the 22 at the 49. That one has to be better. I would grade that as a C minus, uh, here's his best one, 52 yards. When he was backed up at the Cleveland 25 and they end up getting a 17 yard turn out of it. So not the greatest. Not the I'm, I'm challenged your one there. I don't, I don't agree with that. All right, give him a 10. So, oh, because of the, I know. Uh, uh, Damn after, it, I fell After the it. start of the game, they're on course for a 10. <laughs> and people think, what the hell is this guy on about? So on the first play, they had a fair opportunity to run that out the end zone. And he just went, nope, I'm not touching it. And um, I, 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 I I, I was far short of giving a standing ovation at that point. I was like, someone's been reading my tweets. They've got it. They've got it. They're finally going to do sensible stuff. And then uh, they just proceeded to do more stupid stuff. So later no, on. No, the so. only other kickoff, the only other one they returned, they got 26 yards. So they were plus one. They're plus no, one. but they only I, one, I, I one don't agree with the risk. I get it, but you got a yard. It's what, what you get the double negative triple. Uh, what about it stamp for me is when you try to return it out and get to the 17 yard line. Anthony Schwartz. So, uh, no, it's, uh, so yeah, I mean, I would say, all right, realistically, the two missed the one, the guy literally blocked it. Like it was an NBA shot. It hit his palm, like as flush as I've ever seen. Um, days like that are tough to kick because what it is, is when you're trying to, when you're trying to hit them, if you put too much power into your plant, leg, you lose, you know, you'll lose footing. So what happens is you try to short, you try to short step it. And then what happens is you kind of try to punch it. That's why McLaughlin's uh, extra point, or was it the field goal? The field goal tailed off to the right because he's trying to basically just hit a little puncher in there. Um, so one out of three end day for him. Real a three. I'll give him a three. Other than that, it was pretty, I mean. Was in... Yeah, no, it's, it's one that, hey, they're fine. They're nothing that special. I think we'll see quite a bit of change next off season, but uh, that's for, for another time. All right, Paul, or Jack. We got to talk about the elephant in the room. We got to, we're going to open the grading scale on this one. Sevens are, uh, are allowed six and a half. So we're going halves quarters. So our guy, Paul Brown, who's MIA right now because he was drinking crown apple peach and 
whatever it was at 7 a.m. in the Muni lot. He got a haircut and then he got into a hot tub in the Muni lot. With someone that looks like Mary Kay. That is true. I will say anytime Paul goes to Cleveland and goes to a Browns game, our listening views go up by about 15%. So I fully expect that everybody in that hot tub is now subscribed to the podcast, but we have to give a Muni lot grade to Paul and we'll factor in the haircut and the hot tub. Jack, what is Paul Brown's Muni lot grade? Well, I don't know. Cause I, there's definitely some positives for the, uh, for the hot tub, because I appreciate that. The fact that he's turned up wearing thermals that are going to hopefully keep him warm during the game and jumps in the hot tub and completely destroys the fact that term thermals are there to help him. So, um, Big kudos for that. In terms of the haircut, that man just needs to, uh, he needs to do what I did and just accept your bald and um, just get rid of it all. There's no reason for any hair to be left on his head outside of facial hair. So um, I did find uh, it odd uh, that he had more hair on his back than he did at the, at the back. <laughs> I, I love the tweet. I forget who responded to him and said, uh, why did the barber miss your shoulders? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, that's pretty good. That's so pretty good. Just because it's Paul Brown, I'm gonna go for a I'm gonna go for a 12 for the hot tub, a minus five for the haircut, and uh we're gonna finish on uh, his favorite number, we're gonna, we're gonna give him a seven. I agree. I, I it's either gotta be a six point six nine or a seven. So the the man is just fearless. You talk about a guy that Emily Mayfield would not question the toughness of it's Paul Brown. That is for sure. So, you know, obviously for all the people that Paul met and celebrity statuses, welcome to the podcast. You know, we always do appreciate uh, our new listeners. If you, I, I think at some point we're going to have to have one of the hot tubbers on to just talk about what the decision went into a, how the hell did you get a hot tub into the Muni lot? B was it pre-full? Like, I have a lot of questions on the execution because I will just tell you right now, the tailgaters of the hot tub executed better than the Browns passing game. So there's just so many factors that go into this. The power consumption, you know, because I saw bubbles. I saw jets. This wasn't like a, a Jimmy Buffett concert where they put a tarp inside of a pickup truck and just throw water in it and everybody gets hammered on margaritas. This was an actual hot tub, Jack. I have a lot of questions about this. So check, check out Paul's Instagram if you're wondering what the hell are these guys on about. Um, hopefully you're listening UK. to it um, within sort of 12, 14 hours of this going up because, hey, the video will still be there. Oh, um, for sure. But uh, no, hey, I, I'm sure Paul will keep in contact. He managed to keep in contact with everyone even though he smashed. Um, so, yeah, let, let's track him down. And uh, we've got some interesting shows coming up during the bye week. We're going to take... Have some deep conversations. Um, they're going to be really gonna be pretty. Deep. They're going to be deep. They're going to be deep. Um, I will say this. The union. In terms of that, we should also, we'll put it out there. We'll have Paul do it. Let's get some talking points because, you know, obviously there's a lot of hot takes going on in, on the internet right now. I am curious to kind of just read the pulse. Now, obviously we're going to have a Sunday night football game against the Ravens to kind of review before we go into the bye week. So we're going to have a lot to go over. And I'd be curious to see, you know, cause you're not going to get me involved in all these stupid little Twitter spats. That's not going to happen. Um, but I am curious what Browns fans want to talk about. I'm curious where they see the biggest areas of weaknesses, the biggest areas of strength. Um, 
you know, I, I must say I'm very happy when Denzel Ward plays a full game because Denzel Ward is a great cornerback. I, I hope that I see number 21 out there for the rest of the season. That's all I ask. Just want to see you out there, Denzel. Go Bucks. By the way, Michigan State, thanks for showing up. Paul, enjoy the game. <laughs> so, all right. I think we've belabored a lot. Um, no, it's, it's one that, yeah, we'll, let's get through this next game and uh, we'll have some really interesting chats. We'll ask, we'll po- poll the uh, five top questions for each show. And then we'll we'll go into them, but uh, no, it's um, it's on to another win. Yeah, and I do apologize on behalf of my Chicagoans for that absolutely full combustible diarrhea down the leg uh, by the Bears today. They had the Ravens; they had them right where they wanted them. Damn it, Marquise Goodwin should have went down at the one yard line. Uh, yeah, Ravens currently leading division at seven and three. They're not good. I don't care, Tyler Huntley, Lamar Jackson. It's not really a great team. Bears aren't very good either. Andy Dalton came in, threw a touchdown on him. So we got a big game next week. Obviously, the Ravens are in the leading the division. And I believe after the Bengals win against the Raiders, which is likely pending, uh, we will be still in last place in the division, a game and a half behind. So it would be a full game that we'd pick up on the Ravens if we can go out there and beat them on Sunday night. And to be fair, it'd be nice to win the one in Baltimore because then after the bye, we could come home to in Cleveland. That would be beneficial. You do the double over them. Uh, Baker plays well in both games, and suddenly people are talking about 40 million extensions. So uh, it, things can turn around. They're, they're under no means is it done. Um, Enough the, the, the rest of this season, it's more of a defining matter on what happens to Baker long term than what happens to the Browns. Um, it is going well, the to be two are linked, right? I mean, they're linked. The Browns go as Baker goes. When Baker's humming and completing 20-odd passes, it's a different team. I mean, think about how many chunk plays where you're just like, even the, the awful commentators would be like, he had him there. He had him there. But the, the rest of the season only has a short time. Of how the Browns finish the end of the season, whether they just scrape into the playoffs or something happens, that, that's about this season. Whereas... Um, Baker Mayfield potentially getting 40 million a year or being a free agent in a year's time. Um, that is a factor that's going to bear out over the rest of this season. So uh, it it's, he's paid life-changing amounts of money, but he, he could get insane money or he could be an Andy Dalton in five years time, in three, four years time. Yep. So um, it, it is fascinating in terms of how it plays out. And it's going to be incredibly interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Jack, I mean, people have brought up the comparisons of Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston going into their fifth years, right? Yeah, it's so. them two. And there's, I think, one other dude that's played in this fifth Tannehill, year. Right? Uh, no, I think Tannehill he was with was Miami. Extended. Was it with Miami um, was extended? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he tore his ACL the one year and then I thought they traded him. No, because he was extended and then they traded him. Gotcha. Um, there, were, there was one other dude, I believe, that played in his fifth-year option um, or was at least under contract for his fifth-year option. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's not a good trend. If you start playing on the fifth year, then uh, you're pretty doomed. Well, we'll save that for the offseason. For right now, let's go out. Let's enjoy our cloudy, rainy victory Monday because, you know what, at the end of the day, the Steelers tied them. We beat them, which makes us this week better than the Steelers. Hopefully they can go out and get boat raced by the Chargers later today. 
Um, but yeah, outside of that, Jack, you got anything you want to add? No, it's nothing else for me. So it's, it's just a go Browns. Let's just go Browns and come on, baby, get healthy.